welcome to the Forge Leadership Podcast, where we're joined this week by Mark Heesman. Mark has led many organizations over a 20-year career in the charity sector and currently leads Christian Camping International. So today on the Forge Leadership Podcast, I'm joined by Mark Heesman. Mark is currently the Chief Executive of Ormiston Children and Families. And uh, Mark and I have known one another for a while. So Mark, it's great to be here in your offices in Ipswich. Uh, tell us a little bit about yourself and the role that you're currently doing. Well, it's good to meet up again, Simon. Uh, it's been a while. And uh, as you say, we've... we've um, Gone in and out of different relationships, uh, work and and uh, and outside of work over the last few years, which has been great. My my current role is the uh, chief exec of Ormiston Families, mm-hmm. where I've been for the last five years, uh, and this this assignment is actually coming to an end in the next uh, month or so. So Ormiston Children's Children's Charity that's working with uh, disadvantaged kids, troubled families across the east of England. Um, we've got about two hundred and fifty employees and about three or four hundred volunteers so uh, a nice size organization that's sort of reaching out into the local area um, and been here for five years prior to that was the CEO at Rock UK yeah uh, one of the Christian outdoor center uh, groups in the UK yeah. and working providing outdoor education in a Christian environment to young people across the UK so have you always known that you you're a leader I, I remember when I first left university um, and went into my first role as a graduate trainee at Royal Mail and you're very sort of open to new stuff then and um, was being taken through the various graduate training programs and one of those was um, when we were talking about leadership and we got into the whole debate around lead our leaders born or made and and so I remember someone making the point well all leaders are born because they wouldn't be here otherwise (laughs) but actually they are made as well and 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 I I found those early stages of my career really important in terms of defining what leadership was Mm -hmm. so that was a big organization with big structure um, big processes in place to develop leaders but actually um, as as I've gone through in my career I've discovered that leadership is very personal thing and we bring our own personality and our own experiences to to the to the fore yeah. in in actually being a personal leader rather than something out of a textbook yeah. um, when I've seen leaders uh, try and learn leadership yeah. and then apply it it yeah. comes across very false yeah. and I think um, in my experience leadership has been very much something that I have tried to project my own personality and way okay. of doing it rather okay. than copy okay. you yeah, or yeah, yeah. Billy Graham or yeah, somebody yeah, else yeah, in terms yeah, of their leadership yeah, style. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, part of that, I follow you on Facebook and, and part of that, you know, there's never a week that goes by, Mark, without seeing you climbing a mountain or driving a quad bike or skydiving or water skiing or something. So there is a bit of you which is, you love being in the outdoors. Yeah. Um, how has that been brought into your leadership and the way that you lead and how that has that shaped you as an individual? Um, I, I think there's probably th- three things that, that I would say not define me because my, 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 def- my defining is the fact that I'm a sinner saved by grace. But, yeah. but in terms of, 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 of the human perspective, in terms of what define me, one is that I love being with and working with young people. Okay. Secondly is my faith. Yeah. And thirdly is my love of the outdoors. Okay. And though, bringing those three things together is, yeah. is always my sort of dream situation. Okay. How that then affects my leadership style, yeah. Yeah. I think, means that when I've been in roles or doing stuff which hasn't involved all three of those, yeah. I haven't been that comfortable. Okay. So I have perhaps felt a little bit exposed or a little bit 
not quite f- as fulfilled as I want to be. So yeah. I've done roles um, where I've been CEO organisations where you're perhaps doing two of those yeah. or one of those. Yeah. Yeah. But actually to bring all three of those together yeah. is where I feel most relaxed as a leader because okay. I'm using the, the full breadth of my, yeah. Yeah. I guess my interests yeah. and my abilities are completely aligned, yeah. which is why I think the, the role I had at Rock was, was perfect in that sense. Okay. And the role I'm going on to, but we'll talk about it more later. Yeah, and Rock was running outdoor pursuit centres, so you were able to bring that part of your personality as well as your faith and your understanding of young people to bear. Is that very, very much so? I, I think there's something what I call the dinner party test. Okay. Which is when when you're maybe having some friends around for dinner, yeah. or you've been invited out for a meal or something, yeah. and people say, "What do you do?" Yeah. People can tell very quickly yeah. if you are really inspired and interested yeah. about what you're doing, yeah. and the dinner party test is oh I do a job and people can tell actually he's not really that interested <laughs> in that job or he's doing it to pay the they bills they can be very long dinner parties they can be very, oh, yeah. particularly if everyone's in the same situation where everyone's moaning about their job and it's like but actually the, for me the dinner party test is if you can be inspired about it and people can see you're inspired about it and that happens for me when those three things come together mm. for some people they'd say that's quite a luxury yeah. actually that you know to pay the bills and pay the mortgage then um, I just have to take a job that you know um, fits the skills but it doesn't fit the whole of who I am what what would you say to them in terms of how they can go after that dream of bringing their whole personality to to the workplace um, well I would say that first of all there, there are seasons in life okay. so there are seasons in life when you're just having to knuckle down and do a role or do a leadership position which perhaps doesn't completely fulfill you but is the right place for you to be at that time and maybe part of that is God building up resilience in you or patience or long-suffering or other skills that are being developed through that time so I think back to my own career um, so I've done five CEO roles they're not they haven't all been a walk in the park fantastic feeling fully fully engaged all the time but particularly those early ones i was learning skills and being developed that have been in later ones really being tested and used because of those early skills so i think sometimes when um people are in jobs where they don't feel completely engaged just hang in there because you are learning something through that that will be used in time and you may know, not know at that time how it's going to be used, but it will be used. Yeah. Now, when I was growing up in leadership and in a tele- big telecoms company, um, actually, people were kind of discouraged from bringing the whole of themselves to work. Yeah. It was like, well, you do that in the evenings or you do that at weekends, but while you're here, just knock it all down and get on. How have you created a, a environments in Rock or in Ormiston um, that have encouraged people to bring the whole of themselves? Yeah, the, the whole question of boundaries is a really interesting one. Okay. So, so some, some roles, particularly here at Ormiston, where there are some really quite um, critical safeguarding issues yeah. and yeah. issues where you're dealing with very troubled situations, yeah. um, I've been very clear with my teams here that they do need to have very clear boundaries okay. and you need to be able to go home yeah. You've been dealing with, you know, a kid in prison, whose dad's in prison, who yeah. may never see his dad again, yeah. And, yeah. and how do you unload on that? You do need to be able to switch off, and you need yeah. to be, you need to be able to have a mechanism whereby you can unload, shut the door, turn that phone off, and then engage with your family or, or, or in, in other ways. There are other situations in this role here, 
but also in previous roles where actually that boundary is so blurred it's yeah. just it's two yeah. it's two yeah. hands sort of mm. completely meshed together yeah. um, now I personally quite like that I quite like it when work and life become one thing okay. I don't particularly like having yeah. things in separate boxes yeah. so. because I think it's quite hard to to maintain those boxes and actually when they start to merge a bit mm. then then life becomes a much more joined up approach rather than it's in its separate boxes but I do understand that some people do quite like to keep it in their separate boxes and keep things completely separate mm. now um, you're a Christian yeah. um, you bring your faith into a, a secular context here um, but you've also led Christian organizations yeah. as well talk to us a little bit about how your faith has shaped the values that you've applied in all those different contexts and maybe what's a bit different between the Christian context and here as well. Yeah. If anything. <laughs> yeah, I, I think, well, first of all, I, I think running a Christian and a non-Christian organisation, there's remarkably little difference, okay. <laughs> in fact. So the last two roles I've done, both for five years, both the CEO, both similar-sized organisations, yeah, yeah. I would say, other than the fact that you may start meetings with prayer, yeah. there isn't a huge amount huge amount of difference both of them you need good commercial skills yeah. you need good leadership skills you yeah. need good decision making skills you need to be able to delegate you need to recruit good people you need to do all those basic yeah. leadership yeah. stuff communicate well build teams that the fact that it's Christian or non-Christian is almost irrelevant yeah. um, having said that I would say the perhaps that sense of value and worth mm. is stronger in a, in a Christian organisation okay because I'm a Christian yeah. so there is that sense of I'm really putting something back into kingdom work okay. here yeah. more directly through yeah. running a, Christ, a Christian yeah. organization yeah. that's not to say that running a non-Christian organization doesn't isn't doing that because yeah. I think I think as, an, as a Christian running a non-Christian organization we can be sort and light yeah. and, I, and I, that's what I was praying for, uh, praying for when I joined here at Ormiston yeah. and, and, and I, I hope over the last five yeah. years that's been yeah. the case that people have said there has been salt and light that's come out of Mark into and, and seasoned that, that this non-Christian environment. That's really interesting. Uh, so you talk about seasoning, salt and light. What does that look like in practice for you here? What is it that kind of shapes yeah. that for you? Yeah, yeah well, well, I think it's, I think it's being consistent okay. and bit to your values. Yeah. I think it's being, um, it's not having a Bible open on your desk and, and sort of bashing everybody over with, this is the verse I read this morning in my quiet time. Because they wouldn't last very long, last very long <laughs> as a CEO. No, you wouldn't at all. But I think what it, it is, it is not being ashamed of it, being very clear that people know I'm a Christian and also um, being particularly careful around, because in any, any organisation, particularly at the top, there are decisions that are a bit borderline. Yeah. There are decisions that have to be made which where there is a bit of a grey area. Yeah. And it is always very clearly going on the no this is the right thing to do for yeah. the organization yeah. Yeah. and the right thing to do in terms of my values yeah. even if there could be a consequence organizationally yeah. that maybe isn't particularly good but it's sticking to what is right yeah. and people recognizing and seeing that so being being honest to yourself and yeah. what you stand for yeah. it sounds like you have a very open and transparent kind of leadership uh, style how, how does that work in with, with your teams how do you go about building teams where you know there's a shared set of values and there's a shared set of ownership of where you're going and yeah I, I, I do enjoy working in a team environment I really do 
and I find um, people respond well to being involved. Um, I think the days of the very autocratic dictatorial leader is gone this is my view i think people like a sort of servant-hearted leadership approach um and a very collaborative approach and and certainly my own style is very much let's talk about stuff together let's get things out on the table i'm more than happy to make a decision and i think people look for a leader to make the decisions and sometimes making the tough decisions but to do so having gained the input of people around you and i think people here have really appreciated the opportunity to to be involved in developing the organisation. Um, I mean, over the last five years, it's sort of tripled in size mm-hmm. and people, bit, but, but that's not me driving that. That's yeah. organisationally the ownership yeah. Yeah. of what's happened. Yeah. And so there's a sense of we're all part of that yeah. rather than it just being some charismatic leader who's here, everyone's sort of following, and then he goes and it's like, yeah. well, what happens yeah, next? Yeah, yeah. Um, so in, in both your last couple of roles, you've done five years stints. Yes. yes. Um, is that because you think you have a specific set of skills that are appropriate to certain organisations at the at different times in their yeah. life cycle? Talk to me. Yeah. No, that's a good question. It's, yes, it's a bit like a job interview. Isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> um, can I have the job, please? I think. Um, I think. I, 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 personally, I am an, an activator, so yeah. I will action okay. stuff and get yeah. stuff moving. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and uh, I, I like things needing to be changed so, so in that sense yeah. it, it is that sort of transformational change yeah. bit that drives sure. me and sure. excites me sure. I'm not particularly good and, and we each have our own abilities yeah. particularly good at maintaining a status quo yeah. some some leaders are very good at that and actually relish that yeah. but but I like to sort of sort of take things through a transformational step yeah. make sure that's bedded in and then and then generally it's time to pass the baton on yeah. now the last two roles that has been after five years yeah. um, the next role who knows but 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 but, but um it, it's as long as it takes yeah uh, do you think there is a, a certain fit for a certain type of ceo yeah. at a certain time of an organization's life i do most definitely i think um some organizations very clearly want a stable secure safe pair of hands mm. perhaps through a period of crisis mm. or through a period where there has been a lot of change mm. and i think probably in almost now mm. that's what they need here actually yeah. i know they're in recruiting at the moment for a new ceo and i think they will be looking for somebody who's yeah. going to very much build on what's happened rather than rip it all up and start again yeah, yeah. So, yeah. brilliant so you come across as someone who's really self-aware Right, okay. uh, self-aware of what you're bringing to the table in terms of uh, your faith and your passion for young people and the outdoors. Self-aware in terms of you know the style that you have and what kind of roles might might suit you. How, suit you? How has that self-awareness grown in you over the years? And the, uh, are there ways that you've um, been specific in in developing that self-awareness? I would again, as as a helpful observation, I would say. A few things. What one is, I would say, working with people who you really respect, yeah. who aren't in your management line or your governance. Okay. So, okay. so you know, working with people like yourself and others over the years yeah. has been really helpful okay. for me to understand how I operate and how I fit in. Okay. People who you can trust, who can be honest with you, who can give it to you straight without necessarily yeah. trying to trying to fluff it up for you. Yeah. I think that that's really helped yeah. the self awareness bit. Yeah. The other thing I think has really helped the self-awareness bit is 
and it's just the nature of doing various roles over the years. I've done a lot of, of profiling, so personality profile, that sort of stuff. And and they can be a little bit like, oh, here we go, another, yeah. another Myers-Briggs. Yeah. But actually, <laughs> once you've done a few, you do begin to start to get, uh, oh, this is how the world sees me. Yeah. It's, it's yeah. like it's, it's a mirror on, on, yeah. on you, really, yeah. on, on how you yeah. react at work, how you react yeah. at home, yeah. how you, re- you react in the stressful situation. Yeah. And I found them very helpful to understand how people see me, okay. which then I can then hopefully reflect back, as you say, yeah to what people see when they yeah. when they engage with yeah. me in a work yeah. particularly in a work context yeah no that's brilliant I mean it's certainly one of the things tools I use is the Johari's window yes. which kind of <laughs> talks about our blind spots yeah. and how feedback can help those blind spots and really interested that you say that it's people outside your direct line of governance and management who are most in the place yeah. to do that are there things that you've deliberately done to help build those kind of relationships so that people can speak authentically to you. yeah I mean people hate the word networking and it's a sort of this sort of poo-pooed oh how dare you talk about it. it's just manipulating your friends but, but and I can't think of some trendy management word to use for it but I think networking in, in, in its in its proper sense has been the most useful thing for me probably the last uh, I've been CEO of roles for about 20 years now for over the last 15 20 years has been the most useful and that that has been by investing quality time yeah. with people yeah. not not just a sort of cursory uh, you know how, how are things are yeah. after a conference but actually meeting up for a meal yeah. uh, getting a group of people together as, as we've done in the past yeah. to sort of talk through issues that we may be facing in the work context yeah. but also getting people who are prof- in, in that professional area together yeah. so for example yeah. when I was at Rock, I would get together a number of CEOs of other adventure centres around the UK, not necessarily Christian ones, but who who could advise on you know how you're approaching stuff. Here, almost, and I've done similarly with with other CEOs running children's charities around the UK, just just to engage with them and and understand the issues with no agenda, no, no sense of. Yeah. you know I want your work job or I want your business, but actually, how can we learn from each other? And 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 generally people are very open to that yeah. they really are yeah. particularly if you go in in an open way yeah. with with no sort of agenda yeah. and and prepare to invest the time so making yeah. the time to say no yeah. well let's meet up for dinner and let's spend yeah. a few hours and yeah. and discuss you know a particular yeah. issue that that, yeah. uh, that i'm struggling with yeah. Pe- people like to help yeah. and people like to engage yeah. and would you say that it's the fact that you've been willing to be open and, and to give of yourself into that that has shaped that environment which other people are able to give back to you do you kind of have to take the first step almost to yeah it's quite often I think that yeah. is the case yeah. actually yeah. yeah I think yeah. it is people we're all busy aren't we you know people who are running organisations in leadership roles have got full schedules full agendas yeah. Yeah. and actually to fit something in is sometimes a real pain yeah. but people like to feel wanted yeah. and I think going in with a can you help me yeah which is how I've done several times, yeah, people have responded really well to that. Yeah, yeah. Really well to that, actually. Yeah. What, one of uh, my previous guests on a podcast, Sim Dendy, who's a pastor down in, uh, in Romsey in Southampton, said, uh, can you help me is just another phrase for vulnerability. Yes. You know, it's kind of, <laughs> yeah, yeah it's, a, it's a longer way of saying vulnerability. So is there a sense in which you have to make yourself yeah. vulnerable? Do you have to open up to people? And how have you gone about yeah, that? Yeah, most definitely. I think, I think, it's that sort of two ears, one mouth thing. Mm. Generally, 
um, speaking person here, generally people are quite opinionated about everything yeah. and are very happy to tell you what they think about stuff. So what I found has worked really well for me is generally to be a listener, no, not to try and have to show people my knowledge and my experience, yeah. Yeah. but actually to say, tell me about your knowledge, tell me about your experience, yeah. tell, uh, unload on me, yeah, yeah, yeah. because maybe 80% of it is gonna be of no use at all to me, yeah. but actually 20% of it is really helpful yeah, yeah. and will really help me to grow as a leader yeah. or to yeah. deal with that particular situation. So it's definitely for me that the listening aspect yeah. is the is the biggest part of it. I, re I feel very strongly about that, much more so than, than the let me tell you about me. But, but yeah, people want to know. I'm happy to talk about it like we do now. This for me feels really uncomfortable, for example, because I'd much rather be interviewing you. <laughs> much rather, because you're. Maybe uh, we'll do that. One yeah, time. well, maybe we should. Actually, I haven't. Nobody, you need to be. Interviewed. Nobody's interviewed me. You on this need podcast. to be. Yeah, yeah so exactly. I'll take you up yes. on that in a few weeks' time. How about that? Now you're about to move on to a new role. Um, tell us all about that. It's a global role. Yeah. Um, yeah tell us what. Okay, so so I've been appointed as the uh, the international director, sort of global CEO for an organisation called Christian Camping International (CCI), okay. Okay. Um, which is a, a a group of associations of organisations running camps, outdoor centres, okay. adventure yeah. centres, conference yeah. centres yeah. run by Christians around the world. So yeah. we're in twenty three different countries at the moment. Yeah. Uh, the biggest is obviously the states, yeah. generally the biggest, the most yeah. thing. Yeah. Um, CCI has got a big operation in the UK where yeah. there's two hundred outdoor centres and okay. conference centres in the UK. Two hundred. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. And they are all around the world. Yeah. So my role is very much to provide the glue to bring that together, okay. that alliance of associations, yeah. and to grow it into new areas because. Yeah. Um, if you look at all of the, the research into when people are converted, it, the vast majority of people are converted before they're 18. Yeah. And of those, yeah. the vast majority are converted either through youth groups or yeah. camps wow. globally. Wow. So in terms of mission, yeah. it's one of the biggest yeah, missions. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. yet, yeah. it's so off the radar. It's unbelievable. <laughs> so, so part of my role is to put it back on the radar. Okay. As okay. This is a massive mission opportunity. Did you have an experience like that yourself um, in terms of a camp when you were growing up that's kind of shaped your, you're obviously very passionate about it, that yeah. shaped you? I did. I mean, I've been involved with, with Christian camps and outdoor activities pretty well all my life, actually. Yeah, yeah. And as a child would have gone on camps and, and been, and that's probably part of my love of the outdoors that's come through that, actually. Yeah. Um, my kids are all involved with Christian camps yeah. now, either attending them or leading them. Yeah. and and. As a as a practitioner, yeah. I just see that huge value of the outdoors as a way of yeah. leading people to Christ. Well, and what is it about the context of those camps yeah. and the outdoor activities you think that focuses people's faith yeah. and brings them to a point of decision within within that context or strengthens their faith within that yeah. context? I think particularly when people are away from, particularly young people are away from the home yeah. and the sort of the trappings and yeah. comforts of home, yeah. they're very open to sort of new ideas. Yeah. Um, there's the whole outdoor bit. There's something very spiritual about the outdoors, whether it be the mountains, yeah. the sea, yeah. a great yeah. view. You, yeah. you get that sort of yeah. sense yeah. of, well, there's something bigger than me here. Yeah. 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 And actually that using that in the right way can yeah. be very, very compelling for, yeah. for, for a young person. Yeah. Plus, people are very often open to have deeper conversations in those environments than they perhaps would do at school or in a youth yeah. group. Yeah, brilliant. Now, you're going to be doing a lot more travel. Yes. Yeah, and uh, seeing these camps in, 
in different environments. How can we pray for you? What are the big challenges that are facing you as you step into that uh, role? Well, thanks. Thank you. That's a professionally. <laughs> personally, I will really, really be appreciating yeah. people's prayer. Yeah. I think prayer for my family okay. that uh, I will be travelling more, that they would be able to cope without me. I'm sure they'll be delighted, but yeah. that they would cope without me. Yeah. Um, the the prayer for the worldwide community of CCI that they would um, we, we would jointly grow together. Yeah. We would we would learn to love each other as yeah. we get to know each other yeah. over the next few months and years. Yeah. Um, and then there's the, there's the funding for the work. I yeah. mean, there's the whole sort of how do we make the whole thing happen? Yeah. Um, it's very much funded by the states at the moment. So how do we create a mechanism which yeah. is enabling us to grow this mission yeah. field internationally? Brilliant. Mark Huseman, thanks so much for joining us on the podcast today. And uh, we will pray for you as you take on this new and exciting uh global role which seems right up your street <laughs> actually thanks. Thanks. <laughs> so uh, thanks so much for joining us no thank you very much indeed it's great thanks for listening if you've enjoyed this week's podcast and don't miss an episode by making sure you subscribe on itunes stitcher TuneIn, or soundcloud or wherever you get your podcasts and don't forget that we love your feedback email us at hello at forge-leadership.com or follow us on twitter or facebook